Looks like it started. Uh, before, before I begin, I just share a little bit about what my family is doing right now. We are back for one year for what's called our home assignment. And home assignment means that we come back from, from Taiwan. We're in Taiwan for four years. We come back. We live in Vancouver, Washington. Our kids um, have returned to school there. And uh, we do things like this. We preach. We share. We meet with individuals. Uh, we meet with families, small groups. Uh, or, our organization has also allowed us to take part in some different trainings. And then this year, I've also started taking classes again at Western Seminary. So I've started my Doctor of Intercultural Studies. And the purpose of the degree is actually to study the ministry that um, we're, we're currently doing in Taiwan. So as, uh, as I said, we've been partnering, or um, this partnership with Ascension Presbyterian started 10 years ago. Uh, so we've been in Taiwan for 10 years. In Taiwan, we're with OMF International. Uh, we have about 70 missionaries with us with OMF, and we're from about 12 different countries. So you go to Taiwan thinking that you're going to be ministering cross-culturally and that there's this cross-cultural divide between you and the people you're reaching, and you're prepared for that. You don't realize that actually on the team that you're serving on, uh, you're going to be serving with people from around the world, and you're working out cross-culturally what it means to be followers in, of Jesus Christ and to serve together in a cross-cultural aspect among your team. Uh, that can bring challenges, uh, but um, God's kingdom is people from all over serving and witnessing to his, his glory and his goodness to people in all different places. Uh, four years ago, we returned to Taiwan. Faith's role was organizing the short-term mission trips that are coming to Taiwan. Uh, and uh, together she partnered uh, with me and a small team that we had to start a ministry to university students. So our focus in, in Taiwan is reaching university students at the lower-level universities that are often unreached by other Christian groups. The um, OMF Taiwan wants to reach the working class, a people group that is about 1% Christian, and at these low-level universities, uh, there's a high percentage of these working-class young people that are, um, that are being educated there. So we want to get into their world to get to know them, develop relationships, share the gospel with them, have them come to faith in Jesus Christ, and then build them up in that faith in Jesus Christ. So this is our passion, and this is our, um, our main work in Taiwan. Uh, I like to tell people that as a missionary, uh, you basically need to have an open heart, an open Bible, and of course an open refrigerator. And uh, we have a saying in Taiwan, if you ain't eating, you ain't meeting. Food is so important culturally in, the, in Taiwan, and it builds that relationship. But that idea of hospitality, I think that as we are sharing uh, God's truth and his love, it's often built through hospitality. And with these young people, we, we dive into their world and get to know them. And then they start calling us when they have challenges. Okay. Uh, Faith and I will share after the service. We'll have more details about what we're doing in Taiwan. Uh, for now, I'd like to pray, and then we'll get into the scripture. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness and your kindness to us. Thank you that you're a God that doesn't leave us alone, a God that pursues us. I pray, Father, that um, as you bless us inside of this relationship, 
that we give you praise back for who you are and what you have done for us. And then, Father, allow us to be so overwhelmed with how you, are, um, how you have changed us, are changing us, and will change us, how you care for us and how you know us, that it overflows to the people around us. And whether that's across the street or around the world, that you give us a heart for those who don't know you. We thank you for your blessing, and we cry out for, to know you more and to grow in that, that relationship. I pray for your blessing on our time now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, if you can uh, look at today's passage. Psalm 67. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. This is the word of the Lord. I'm going to start with a story. Uh, This happened the day before we returned to Taiwan, just over four years ago. It would have been an understatement to say that we were exhausted. We had packed up our house in Vancouver, Washington, uh, with the help of our, our home group at the time. We had said our goodbyes, and we had driven uh, three hours north from Vancouver, Washington, up to Seattle, where Faith's sister and her family live. Our one-year home assignment was over, and we were back in the middle of transition. We were physically, emotionally, and spiritually exhausted. Our to-do list had one random task that we still needed to do. We had promised our kids that we would open a bank account for them before we left the U.S. So Faith's sister watched Abby and Nathan, and we raced off to the bank. We went into the bank, and we were greeted there by a guy named Amir. He was a friendly bank teller of Middle Eastern descent. We told him that we wanted to open an account for our kids, and he brought us to a desk, and we started the process. As our conversation progressed, we shared that we were returning to Taiwan for four more years to be Christian missionaries. Immediately, Amir stopped and shared with us that he was a Christian convert from Islam. With joy radiating from his face, he shared how Jesus had impacted his life. A few years earlier, everything had changed in his life when he had put his faith in Jesus Christ. He said in Islam, he was a slave. Now with Jesus as his Savior, he was a child of God. Joyfully, he asked us, how do you feel about returning to Taiwan? Uh, Faith and I, we didn't need to look at each other to realize what the other was saying. I said, we're happy to go back, but honestly, we're weary. His next words were like a spring of living water to a dry soul. He said, you don't need to be tired. God has called you. God is with you. You are doing his work. This bank teller did not know us personally, but he knew our God. 
He overflowed with excitement, knowing that we were bringing the gospel to another place. His joy flowed from his own experience with God, and that our God is a God that changes lives. I believe that God allowed our paths to cross with a mirror. During this weary time, God met our need for encouragement, and we were reminded once again that there is a joy that is greater than exhaustion. But there is another reminder. It is a reminder that God is at work. He is at work in Amir's life. He's at work in Taiwan, and he's at work here in America. And there's one thing I want you to know when you go home today, that he's at work in you. To know God is to be blessed. And missions is merely when this blessing overflows to the nations. So this is the main point I'd like you to know today. An overflow of God's blessing to you is praise back to him. But it's also a desire for the peoples of of this world to experience this same blessing. To praise him and to feel joy. So we're dealing with this relationship, the vertical. Blessing from God, praise back to him. But we're dealing with this horizontal relationship as well. So this relationship of us and God is not merely to be held on to. It is to overflow as we delight in knowing who he is. So, before we jump into this psalm more, let's take a look at its structure. Uh, It's Hebrew poetry, and as is common in Hebrew poetry, it has what's called a chiastic structure. Uh, None of you need to remember that, but this is what I do want to remind you of. It's um, It's like a quarter pounder. Does anybody have a quarter pounder with them today? No? Okay, well, I I brought mine. Happen to to have one with me. Uh, Two for six dollars. Oh, and look, it's so ideally cut. Okay. How, how, How providential. In this psalm, the chiastic structure is normally thought of as A, B, C, B, A. So the main idea that it starts with is the same idea it ends with. The second idea is the second last idea. And then there is the middle. In this psalm, we have blessing at the beginning and blessing at the end. God blesses his people. So the bun is God blesses his people. The cheese... We are all to praise God. Okay? And then the meat is happening in the middle. All people before God find their joy in him. And I used to think always, in a chiastic structure, it's always about the meat. Okay, so the joy in God. And now, as I've read this psalm over so many times, I think it's actually just all working so beautifully together. Blessings and praise bring out joy which bring out blessings and pray, uh, bring out praise and blessing. So again, we have this going on, this blessing from God, praise back to him, but joy is found. And it's almost like in this psalm, we find that there's a sense of, come along, nations, join us. 
This is our God. He is a God who blesses us. So let's praise him together. Oh, I'll, I'll leave this for later. I do want you to remember that. And I figure if I said it's a chiastic structure, that's pretty forgettable. But if you remember that it's a quarter pounder, blessings, praise, joy, praise, blessings. Keep that in your head. Starting at the beginning is blessings. Look at verse 1. It says, May God be gracious to us and bless us, and make his face to shine upon us. Now drop down to the bottom. It says, God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. This psalm recalls the blessing that God made to Abraham. We see in Genesis 12, verse 1, and three, 1 through 3, and I'm going to read it out. This is Genesis 12, 1 through 3. The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. This promise was to Abraham to bless him, but also that through him, the peoples of the earth would be blessed. God's disposition has been and always will be to be a God of blessing. The psalmist calls out for God, God's blessing and assures us of that blessing. Should we not do the same? Let our prayer be to know God more and to delight in who he is, but also recognize that God is a God who blesses us and will bless us. This psalm was written to the people of God before the coming Messiah. This promise to Abraham for all the peoples to be blessed is ultimately fulfilled in Jesus Christ, who in Matthew 1.1 is referred to as the son of Abraham. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you're a part of his people and you are blessed. It is the gospel that makes us alive in Christ. In Ephesians 2, verses 4 through 5, Paul wrote, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. There is no greater blessing than this. If you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins and has risen again, your sins are forgiven and you're a child of God. As a kid, I thought that this, was, this blessing was merely going to heaven. I thought that God was selling a ticket to heaven and that's what I wanted. Wouldn't everybody just grab that ticket? Now I realize, no, it's a relationship that starts here and now, impacts my daily life, or should be impacting my daily life, and goes on for eternity. It is my foundation, it is our identity, it is our peace, it is our joy. It is the best blessing that the world can know. The gospel is the good news to be shared, but it's also the motivation to be sharing. In Taiwan, I knew of a young local guy who had been trained 
by a different organization to um, tell the gospel in a very formulaic way. Just recite these things to people. And if they, if they nod they, their head, get them to pray this. Unfortunately, he was walking around with an amulet still after being dedicated to a temple. There's a problem here. It was merely go through the motions of sharing this. But he, he was not truly following, loving, and knowing the God of the Bible. Our God wants a relationship with him. The blessing is lived out in and through this relationship. He wants to be known, and he wants us to know him. This is where true blessing is found. And let me share another story. Uh, we had just moved into our um, house in Taiwan. We were living in a little village on the outside of Kaohsiung in southern Taiwan. Uh, it's a village of about 500 people, and it, they have um, uh, guava fields all around it. So distance-wise from Kaohsiung is about 15 miles Culturally, it's a very countryside place. We get there, and we had, um, were moving into the place, and we had bought a new car, and I back up the car part way, and we're unloading it. We're living in a, in a kind of like it's a Taiwanese-style townhouse, and suddenly I hear from the bottom, somebody's come into our house, and he's yelling up the stairs, which um, means, are you home? Is there anybody home? And so I screamed out, I'm home, I'm home. And I run down the stairs. Now, the Taiwanese townhomes are about four stories and very narrow. And so you're just running down the stairs. I get there. And unfortunately, I had the kind of the clicker for the garage door. And it was coming down onto our um, newly purchased second-hand car. Uh, my neighbor, who I had met, never met before, made me aware of this situation. And uh, we pushed the button for it to go up. The garage door made some um, unnatural noises, because it's a metal gate door, kind of. And it, <laughs> and it slowly, finally made its way up. The door was fine. The car was fine. My new neighbor ran home, and he got the Taiwanese equivalent of WD-40 and sprayed my my garage door uh, and he looks at me and he says let's have tea sometime come over to my house let's get to know each other let's have tea so I go upstairs and I thought well if I told Faith about the car right away that wouldn't be good so I just said um, I think I made a friend <laughs> uh, and by the way the car's okay the garage door came on it it's a, it'll be fine now I didn't know it but um, God was already at work in that little village. Guo Da Ge, the man that I had met, which means um, Big Brother Guo, uh, he was in his early 60s. His wife had come to faith in Jesus Christ months earlier, and she had been praying for him. Now, they're part of the working class, which is about 1% Christian. So she tells us she's been praying for him. I start meeting with him. Within a few months... He came to faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, local church really um, 
worked with him, and he was baptized. We took his idols out of his house, and uh, I started to meet with him one-on-one. His worldview is so completely different. Now, for somebody coming to faith in Jesus Christ in Taiwan, we're not about making them American. We're not about making them Westerners. We're about God being glorified inside of their culture and their lives being changed. I read the Bible with him. He was great because he was very helpful for me to improve my Chinese. He would teach me and improve my Chinese, and I would teach him the scripture as we went through it. Uh, He has become a good friend and is a faithful follower of Jesus Christ. Uh, Last June, just before we returned to come back to the States, he told me he was sitting around a a construction site. He's a painter by trade. And there's a bunch of the different trades kind of working around, and they started talking about Christians. And they're like, oh, Christians are like this, Christians are like this. And he said they were shocked. He looked at them and he says, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And he said, he said, I, he said to me, he told them, when he followed the idols, he felt no peace. And yet following Jesus Christ, for the first time in his life, he knows peace. Now, We have to understand, why do people in Taiwan um, go to the temples? Why do they worship idols? Greatest motivating factors are often fear of the spirit world, obligation to family, and personal greed. There's no consideration of a loving relationship with an idol. In fact, it is not uncommon in Taiwan when a person goes to the temple, they tell the idol, this is my name, this is where I live. And this is the, the benefit I want from you. And then they give their sacrifice to the idol, which is often fruit or, or maybe it's burning of the incense sticks. So a lot of different things they can place before an idol. The blessing that is hoped for may be health or wealth, maybe protection from spiritual forces, but there's no relationship. There is no love and there is no peace. Worship to an idol is merely transactional in nature. How different it is for those of us in Christ. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have a heavenly Father that, Father that knows you personally and loves you. He is a God that blesses his people in and through relationship. God wants the people of this world to hear of this blessing. A result of the blessing that God gives for us is that his ways may be known among all nations. And just take a, take a look at verse 2. It says, that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. The first word of verse 2, that. In English, it's sometimes translated as that and sometimes translated as so that. It's important when you're reading scripture to see how ideas are connected. So we see here, the blessing is connected with God's ways being known. You're blessed for many reasons, but one of the reasons you are blessed is so that the nations may know. A blessed person should neither hide nor hoard their blessings. Instead, a blessed person should be seeking to make those blessings known to the world 
this bless, these blessings should overflow from us. So, again, the vertical and the horizontal. Blessing comes down, praise is going up, but also it's being seen. Now, in the Old Testament, often this was a come and see that God is good. After the Holy Spirit in the New Testament, it's often a go and tell. Go and tell that our God is good. Be a witness. We see this in Acts 1.8. Therefore, go and be a witness. It overflows. Let's look at the cheese and the meat. Verses 3 through, 3 through 5. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity. You guide the nations upon earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The natural response to blessing is praise. We are blessed and we praise. But notice verse 3 and 5. Both verses are exactly the same. But it doesn't say we praise you. It says, let the peoples praise you. Let all the peoples praise you. And another thing is interesting in the Psalms. If you really want to dive into the Psalms, look at what's going on with the pronouns. There is a shift here from, may God be gracious to us. And suddenly it's not, we will praise you. Although that has to happen. It's the nations are to praise you. The peoples of this world are to praise you. And in the middle of the Psalm, there's a longing for the nations to get on board, to feel this blessing. And ultimately, to feel the joy. So our God is a God that blesses. We respond in praise, and we live out this relationship. It's always been God's passion for the nations to know him, to praise him, and to find their joy in him. Our desire should be the same. Uh, when I was young, I grew up in, um, I'm from Canada, originally, and I grew up to German parents. So my dad, when uh, he's a German engineer, I mean, he's lived most of his life in Canada, but your stereotypical German engineer, you know, just kind of calm, collected, that's, that, that was my dad, except when Germany played soccer. He's a wild man. When World Cup soccer came around and I'm sitting on the couch beside him, I'd see my dad's excitement just overflow. He was so absorbed in the game. Everything was about what Germany was doing. And I would sit there as a young boy watching him watch the World Cup. And I realized, I love Germany's soccer team too. I couldn't help it. The passion of my father for soccer, specifically German soccer team, overflowed to me as a young boy sitting beside him. We absorb the passions of those around us. And if we are following our Heavenly Father closely, if we are delighting in this blessing, and if we are giving the praise back, our hearts should be so intertwined that we are so excited to see how he is working around the world. If it is his passion to reach the nations, we should be excited to be a part of what he is doing. So I want to ask you this question. 
Or maybe I want to ask you this so that you can ask yourself. How can I allow the blessing I have received to overflow to the nations? Uh, And I'll give a quick illustration. When our kids were young, uh, if my wife Faith was baking, they might take take a chair and climb on, like you know, help along in the process of baking. But you know, if if they're stirring, my wife might take the top of the spoon and the bottom of the spoon, and they put their little hands in the middle, and they stir. Uh, if they're measuring stuff out, my wife might have to measure it out, but they get to dump it into the bowl. Uh, they might be able to walk the, uh, the cookies or whatever they're, they're making over to the oven, but my wife puts it in. They were involved, but my wife would guide the process. And I think missions is somewhat like that. God allows his people to be involved in the process of what he is doing around the world. Uh, Earlier today, we read from Revelation 7. We know how the story ends. The nations stand around the throne of God. So this is going to happen whether we are involved or not. God's not sitting there thinking, oh, I, I hope they do this. Or else, what do I do? God is involved and he will work out his ways, but he chooses and desires and allows his people to be involved in what he is doing around the world. So let me encourage you for your own good to dive in and to be excited about what God is doing in different corners of the world. I've seen people come to the mission field at the beginning of their careers in the middle of their careers, at the end of their careers, we knew uh, we, there was somebody who was on our team. He just retired at 70. He came to the mission field at 58 years old uh, and stayed till 70. Very unique, right? Especially when you actually, statistics show that career missionaries often stay for about six to seven years. That's average. Hopefully that number will get longer. Uh, there's short-term missions. Possibly, uh, you know, Lord willing, when this pandemic is finally behind us, maybe Ascension can bring people to Taiwan for short-term. And short-term gives you an insight that, okay, our God is truly a global God. And short-term, sometimes young people come and they think they can change the world in two weeks, uh, but they can certainly change how God will use them in this world by using two weeks overseas or in another place or cross-culturally. Short-term is often about how uh, God guides our hearts and teaches us about what he is doing around the world. Certainly he can use you, but he can also impact and change you in the midst of it. Of course, not everybody should go, not everybody will go. Uh, There are many that send and we are, um, as I mentioned at the beginning of the sermon, we're so grateful for how this church has partnered with us uh, and others as well who have financially given so that we can serve God in another place. It is, um, it is an incredible blessing. Uh, God gives resources, and we are grateful for those who have allowed some of those resources he has given them uh, for us to be able to serve God in Taiwan. 
Uh, prayer is essential. Uh, I think in our world it's sometimes hard to slow down and pray. The Puritans actually had a saying, they said, pray until you pray. And I think there's a sense of, okay, give yourself the time. I had a student, I taught Bible before, a student said to me, he said, he felt guilty because he fell asleep while praying. I said, well, I'm encouraged because um, most of your classmates just fell asleep. You prayed. Let me encourage you to pray. Um, we have prayer cards. We'll, we'll get them out. Uh, please put us on your fridge and uh, remember us in prayer. And if you pray for us, we are um, grateful if people send us an email and say, I prayed for you today. It does mean a lot to us. And sometimes when you face the discouragement or challenges or things are going on and you, you hear that people are praying for you, it does mean a lot to us. Uh, another thing. Even in the age of um, COVID, the world is still coming to America. There are different people who come from places where the gospel may not be preached as openly, or they might not have as many opportunities to hear God's truth. There's a great organization called International Students Incorporated that my wife and I have volunteered with before we went to Taiwan. Uh, They are often looking for friendship partners to develop relationships with young people who come from different countries. Countries like um, Bangladesh, Iran, China, Indonesia. Again, places where, for a variety of reasons, do not have the openness that we have here to share the gospel. Let me remind you, you are blessed. And then consider, how are you going to allow this blessing to overflow to the nations? But I also want to remind you, my call to you is not that you become this, feel this burden, like, I need to get busy with missions. My desire is that you realize you're a child of God. And that because of that, you are so excited to witness to his goodness everywhere. In your life. Just let it be part of who you are. It's not something on the side Your relationship with God and living it out is just what you are doing with your life. So again, as I um, had prayed earlier, whether that's um, across the street, around the world, it is all about Jesus Christ and who he is and what you are doing. God is at work. Uh, For a Christian, your being is God working in you. Your doing is God working through you. Both are important, but being is where you start. God working in you and then God working through you. So may God bless you. May God bless us and may God bless this church so that the world may know his ways and all peoples may know his salvation. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are good and you are kind. We thank you that uh, because of Jesus Christ, we are brought into a relationship with you. Our sins are forgiven. And this is is not just something that we, we look forward to, to know you in heaven and to go and be with you. But, Father, I pray that it does impact our daily lives. 
Uh, Father, I pray that we respond in praise to you and that we get excited about having others join us in that praise because we realize how good it is. Thank you, and we ask for, um, for your blessing in our lives. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.